Good morning, sports fans, bettors, and cappers, and welcome to the Daily Competitive Hedge Podcast. I'm your host, Kenneth Cotterell, and this morning show is all about sports and the world of betting. We talk about a few results from yesterday's games and headlines, as well as get into today's betting slate, talk about what games we're on and which bets we like by capping it off with our early hedge five. Those are our early five betting plays that we're leaning and then we post our plays a little bit later on on our social media accounts. So our episode today is brought to you by Bet99. Bet99 is a Canadian sportsbook and casino that offers in-play betting, player props, a cash-out option, and many more great products. There are a variety of sports to bet on on the website, including NHL, MLB, NFL and NBA and Bet99 works smoothly on both desktop and mobile. Their mobile app can be downloaded from the homepage of the website. Withdrawing funds is hassle-free with a number of well-known methods available to use so you know your money is safe and secure. The website can be viewed in both English and French and customer service is available 24-7. So go to bet99.com to make an account and please gamble responsibly you must be 19 plus years of age now let's talk about our recap of our bets yesterday tough day on the diamond st louis lost eight to six versus colorado so they lose outright if you took the over there then you would have hit then you had philadelphia run line they lost outright to miami three to nothing another tough one the toughest one of the day has to be winnipeg losing outright to montreal they lose 20 to 17 in overtime to the Montreal Alouettes, not a result that I was expecting to see. I don't think many people were. And so losing outright, if you took the money line on Montreal, then good on you. You had a nice payday yesterday. We were not on those lines. Then we had uh, the Vegas Aces. They won handily over the Chicago Skies, so we win that one. And then the Connecticut Sun, they cover versus the LA Sparks, 93-69. to The spread there was minus 10.5. Other leans that we had yesterday, West Brom, we said that we liked them against Sheffield United. They won 1-0. And then we had uh, the Czech Republic. They covered versus Finland at the World Juniors. That was a huge one for us. Uh, Canada, though, they blew out Slovakia. We thought that the spread was maybe a little bit too steep. And then, uh, unfortunately, the Swiss were unable to cover versus the U.S. at minus 3.5. They lost 7-1. Now, the day that was recap, as we said, World Juniors, they were on yesterday. Uh, Finland winning in overtime, Canada and U.S. both with blowouts. NFL preseason-wise, we had the Giants won 23-21 over the Pats, and then we had the Ravens 23-10 over the Titans. Some other results in the MLB, we had Cleveland. They won in the 10th inning 4-3 over the Tigers. The Astros won 7-3 over the Rangers, just a day too late for our survivor pool, unfortunately. Royals, they beat the White Sox 5-3. We had the Diamondbacks 9-3 over the Pirates. 
the Red Sox four to three over the Orioles. We actually missed one of our bets from yesterday. We we're on under ten on the Orioles and Red Sox, so that one cashed as well for us yesterday. The Cubs won four to two over the Reds, and then we said, as we said, CFL and WNBA were on as well, and then the FedEx St Jude Classic. Uh, we're out to a pretty good start as far as our golf bets go. Uh, Xander Shoffley, one of our uh, winner bets, he's T49, and Cameron Young is uh, T29. But if it were to end today, we had Tony Finau as a top 10. Uh, he's playing really well right now. Uh, he's T4 after day one. We got Sam Burns and Max Homa both for top 20. If it were to end today, then they would cash there. Uh, Burns sitting at minus five and Homa at minus four. So overall, we're pretty happy with where we're at. I can't really complain. And so let's hope for a better day too when it comes to uh, this tournament as well. Now let's talk about today's bets. There's a lot of them out there. We've got the Lions and Falcons in NFL preseason. Once again, we're not betting on preseason, just not where we're going right now. Cleveland minus one versus the Jags. The over-under is 37 and a half. A little bit of a steep over, but it depends on who plays. We know the, the Jags week one had almost none of their starters going. We'll see if they see a series today. Then we had the Eagles and Jets today. It's a pick them. 35 and a half is the line there. The Bengals are minus two at home. They're taking on the Cardinals. 30 and a half is the over-under line there. And then we've got the Packers. 33 and a half is the over-under line, but they're uh, plus three against San Fran today. So those are the NFL preseason lines. I like a couple of those overs, but once again, staying away from NFL preseason in the meantime. Now we got the Braves. They're minus 140 versus Marlins today. You got Odorizzi on the mound taking on Lopez. Uh, pretty even pitching matchup. I'm kind of shocked to see the Braves as heavily favored as they are. Seven and a half is the over-under line. I do like the under in that game. Then the Padres and Nationals. You got Clevenger taking on Abbott. This is one that we'll talk about a little bit later on, but I do like the over in this game as well. The the over-under line is currently sitting at nine. Then you got the Jays. They're minus 165 at home against the Guardians. You got Barrios and Quantrill going. Uh, I like the Jays today, but the over-under line I'm a little bit unsure of, uh, so I'm going to stay away from that one. Might throw the Jays in a little parlay piece uh, since they're minus 165. Kluber versus Voth is the Rays take on the Orioles. Uh, Rays are minus 150. Staying away from that game. Don't love most AL East matchups, uh, and that being one of them. Then we got the Mets and Phillies. Mets are minus 210 at home. You got Scherzer taking on Ranger Suarez. Suarez has been pretty good recently, but when you're taking on Scherzer, uh, it's tough to want to bet against the Mets. So going to stay away from that game overall. Then we got the Red Sox and Yankees. Yankees are minus 125 on the road. You got German and Eovaldi. This is one that's going to be featured later on, but I do lean Boston at home today. I think they have upset potential, especially how the Yankees looked against the Mariners. Then you got the White Sox. They're minus 210 versus the Tigers. Kopchak and Norris are going. Uh, overall, I like the White Sox today, but again, minus 210, not a lot of value there. Don't love taking the run line either. Maybe parlay that with the Jays uh, to get you some plus value today, but that's one uh, that I like as well. Mariners minus 190 versus the Rangers. You got Kirby taking on Spores. Uh, I like the Mariners. I like Kirby the way that he's been playing recently, even though they're on the road, uh, but going to stay away from that game uh, as well. 
Dodgers minus 220 versus the Royals. This is going to be them most of the time. You got Gonsolin on the mound, 13-1 and one on the year. So they tend to play well when he's on the mound, but staying away once again there. Garcia and Oler are facing off as the Astros take on the A's. I like the over eight and a half in that game, but going to stay away, mostly because Oler's on the mound, and I think that the Astros are going to blow the doors off of them today. Then you got Montgomery on the mound versus Lauer. Uh, pretty solid pitching matchup. That's why the over under seven and a half, but the Cardinals are minus 165. I think the Brewers have upset potential there, but going to stay away from that one. Senzatella taking on Davies as the Rockies are minus 125 versus the Diamondbacks today. The over underline is 12 and a half. I would take the under there. I know that they just had a very high scoring series uh, with the Cardinals, but I think at some point they're going to come back down to earth a little bit. And I think that that game has the potential to do so. The Twins are minus 135 versus the Angels. Over underline is eight. You got Maul and Sandoval. Uh, I like Tyler Mall a lot, but the A's are at home, so I'm going to stay away from that one. And then the Giants, minus 270 versus the Pirates today with Rodon on the mound. I like the run line there, but there's not a lot of value there, um, so I'm going to stay away from that one as well. Now, the Argos and Tiger Cats, they're very close today. Um, the Argos are on the road, but <laughs> when you live within an hour of each other, is there ever really a, a road game between these two teams? But when we're talking over underline, it's 46 and a half. I tend to lean the under. I don't love either of these offenses, but the Tiger Cats are plus two and a half today. Uh, so you can get some plus value if you like them at home on the money line. But they definitely are the worst team here. They're two and six on the year, taking on the four and three Argos. As we said, more FedEx St. Jude championships. So keep an eye on that one throughout the day. And then WNBA tonight, we've got a few games on the slate. Uh, you get you can get the Mystics minus 11 and a half versus the Fever. The Fever have been awful over the last couple months. So I kind of like the double digit spread there, but we'll stay away. Then I've got the Liberty minus one and a half versus the Dream. This is a critical series between these two teams. Whoever wins the matchups here could potentially be going to the WNBA playoffs. Seattle, they're minus one and a half versus the Minnesota Lynx, who are at home. I think that Seattle's going to win that game outright. Uh, so minus 125, I think there's some value there, but it's not in our official card, just one of our leans. And then same with the Dallas Wings, minus one and a half versus the Mercury. No Skylar Diggins, no Diana Taurasi. I think that the Wings are going to blow them out today. So minus 125, maybe do a Storm and Wings parlay, the road two-teamer today. Now, let's end it off with the early hedge five. These are the five plays that we like early on that we're going to be betting on. Uh, and so we're just going to wait and see a little bit uh, later on before we officially put in some of these bets. So these lines are subject to change uh, betting lines wise, but it doesn't mean that we don't love them and they're not going to be a part of our official card. So Watford Moneyline versus Burnley in championship soccer today. Watford are the home team. They just drew against a good West Brom team but they did beat Sheffield United, whereas Burnley, they may be sitting on the same amount of points, but when you take on Luton Town and Huddersfield Town, neither are very good. I think Watford, they have the potential to hop up into the Premier League right away, and I think that starts today. They're going to pick up three points at home, and so plus 136, really love just the straight-up money line there. Second one, Hamilton money line versus Toronto today at plus 111. Uh, I just think that this is a team that... Uh, 
they need to start racking up some wins if they're going to make a push for a playoff spot in the East. I think Toronto, they've had a very fortunate schedule out of the gate. And so I think Hamilton writes the ship today. They win on the money line at plus 111. Then we got Sweden. They're minus four and a half versus Austria today in World Juniors action. I think we're starting to see the quality come out after the first couple of games here. There was a couple of tight games between the very good teams. Now, if you want to go to five and a half, you get to plus money. I'm going to lean four and a half and stay there. Um, Four and a half is still minus 163. Um, A little bit of juiced odds, but I do like Sweden today versus Austria. Um, Germany dominated them. It was only four to two, but they completely outshot them and outplayed them. And Sweden are one of the best teams in the tournament. So I like Sweden minus four and a half today. Then you got the San Diego run line versus Washington today. Clevenger versus Abbott. Clevenger, he just got roughed up versus the Dodgers, but this is a great bounce back spot for him because let's face it, the Nationals stink. And you also have Abbott coming off of a seven earned run pitching performance versus Philly on the weekend. So I'm going with the San Diego run line at minus 135. And then to cap it off, Yankees Boston over nine and a half. When you look at uh, the over nine and a half here, the teams went over in six of their last seven matchups this season. And the Yankees bats, they were really cold against Seattle. They need a bounce back spot here. And Boston, they were in a little bit of a shootout with the Orioles. Um, but German and Avaldi, I don't have faith in either of these guys. Once we start into Garrett Cole and Rich Hill, maybe we'll start to go a bit under and, and we'll see that line move closer to eight, eight and a half. But I think today we have a bit of a shootout on our hands. And so I'm going to take the over nine and a half at minus 110. But thank you, everyone who listened today. If you're listening to the podcast version of this on Apple and Spotify, stay tuned. We've got Ernest Silva from the End of the Lab podcast. We're talking about the Houston Texans. Not a fun discussion when you're talking about a team that's got a projected over four and a half wins. But nonetheless, uh, definitely stay on and listen to that. Welcome back to the Competitive Hedge podcast. It is August 12th, which means our 12th NFL team preview is upon us. Yesterday, the discussion was all about the Detroit Lions, a team that didn't win a lot of games last year, but have a bit higher expectations. Maybe it's just the hard knocks bump that they're getting. Uh, Everyone's got a soft spot for Dan Campbell and Jamal Williams, but nonetheless, it was a fun discussion yesterday with Craig Campbell, but we're hopping over to the AFC today. We're talking about our first AFC South team, that being the Houston Texans, not the most exciting team to be chatting about. But I have a great guest nonetheless to talk about this team. Now, the guy I'm bringing on, he's a good friend of the show. He's the host of the End of the Lab podcast. He is a Texas native that claims to be a Dallas Cowboys fan, but panders to Houston fans enough that I think he could convince you that the Houston Texans might be his second team. I think they're definitely his second team wavering on his first favorite team, depending how this Mike McCarthy year goes. But I'm excited to have on Ernest Silva. Ernest, how are you doing today? I said you had your troll hair ready for yesterday. You decided to intro me with a troll intro. I am absolutely a diehard Cowboys fan and one <laughs> and will not be going to the Texans to save my life. I think it would have to be the McNairs sold the team in order for me to go <laughs> and even think about being a Texans fan. But I am glad to be your Kenny ITL. Catch it Wednesday, 730. I am excited to uh, finally make a return on competitive hedge. So, yeah, yeah. let's talk shop. Because you are in the Houston area, at least somewhat around there. And so you kind of have a little bit of a of a better idea of this Texans team than I would. 
oh, I know yeah. that you're more San Antonio, but same thing, same state. Yeah. It's all the same stuff. So Texans 2021-2022 recap. They were bad. They're really, really bad last year. But that being said, four and thirteen year. They go five hundred in the division. How do you they went five hundred in the division? Still beyond me, but it was their first year past the Bill O'Brien era. There was no Deshaun Watson all of last season. We've since seen him get traded in the offseason, but they opened up beating the Jags. They lost eight straight from there, beat the Titans, beat the Jags once again, and then the Chargers late in the year. That being said, this team also lost by double digits on nine occasions and didn't hit double digits on seven others. So this is a team that struggled last year, but might be a couple bright points for this team moving forward, maybe more so in the draft pick category. But what did you think of the Texans year last year? Well, uh, I'm I'm not a I'm obviously not a Houston Texans beat writer. That's not who I am. But you know, you follow John McClain and a couple other ones, and you know, you end up uh, being the diehard guy in San Antonio. So let's just uh, let's just walk through, right? The Houston Texans just a few years ago had Bill O'Brien, that was loathed by most fans. J.J. Watt, Deshaun Watson, and DeAndre Hopkins, and it looked like hey, this team might make the run and finally uh, get to an AFC championship and. Uh, all of a sudden the, the air was digging out of them. They're, they're, they're gone. I mean, all of a sudden there's all sorts of things happening behind the scenes with God knows what that we're all hearing about now. And JJ goes to Arizona. DeAndre gets traded to Arizona for cupcakes and, and, uh, the Texans are where the Texans are at. But I think the most important thing that we, that the Texans fans and the Texans faithful know is that it was a transition year midway right like it was hey tyrod taylor's here who knows what's gonna happen then all of a sudden it was like whoa who's this davis mills guy and then um you know where the offense how the offense was going to be run completely switched from a running gun into a pocket presence and they didn't have the personnel for that so i think what houston had to do this offseason was revamp from that crazy year um and that transition into a roster that's more complete around a pocket qb and uh and a defense that can that that could be loaded up with talent, and so I think that's exactly what the Texans did this offseason was load up with defensive talent, um, young defensive talent, unproven, and then come back with a, a team that's a little bit more sturdy at the line around Davis Mills. But um, before I jump into like the Texans, let's talk a little bit about last year, right? So uh, crazy wins that are unexplainable. Uh, <laughs> we're talking off the show, but like wins over the Titans and Chargers that are unexplainable, and then like these crazy dumb losses um to to teams like the Jets who who had no business winning that game in Houston uh, blown out by the Bills 40 to nothing um when the Panthers were streaking they lost 24 to 9 um you know but you know like little things that that 31 nothing to the Colts stuff that just pops out to you 23-7 to the Niners who eventually uh, beat the Cowboys in first round of the playoffs. So like, you know, you have like these games where you're like, yeah, they should lose those, but you shouldn't get demolished. Like they didn't even show up. So like fantasy relevance, everybody was starting the players that played the Texans, you know? And so that's not a good look. So for a team that's coming in, the baseline is that you're the worst defense in the league last year. So how do you come back from that is that you get a little bit better. That's exactly what the Texans are going to be this year. They're going to be just a little bit better. So I look forward to breaking down a little bit more roster by roster spot to talk about where they're going to be better and where you should be investing anything if you should. Yeah, definitely. Let, let's talk a little bit about what they did in the draft because, I mean, they had a couple of first-round draft picks. They grab an O-lineman, but Derek Stingley Jr. has to be the big 
focal point of this defense moving forward. First corner taken off the board with the number uh, three pick, I believe. And then you've got Jalen Pitar, uh out of Baylor, the safety there. They drafted him in the second round. They brought in a wide receiving weapon out of Bama as well, Michi. So they had a lot of draft picks. That, that was the whole point of ditching Deshaun was to get right. these draft picks. Um, they certainly didn't want to pay him. Uh, Cleveland apparently did for whatever reason. And so now they get to move on from him. Davis Mills now finally will have, he'll have the reins for the entire year. As long as he's healthy. Um, they still have a couple guys. We we haven't really seen what Nico Collins can be. So, so he's a guy that has a little bit of upside in that offense. And so I do think defensively they did get better, which is good to see. As you said, uh, when you're losing games, complete blowouts, shutouts, like, like that's not something that you want to see um, in the NFL. And so, They'll be in a lot more games this year, I think, depending uh, how well this offense performs. Because as I said, when you're when you have seven games where you don't even hit double digit points, you're not going to be in very many football games. So what did you make of their draft? And then also maybe uh, a player or two that you're excited about for this team this year. There's two teams rebuilding in Houston, right? The Rockets and the Texans. And the Rockets said we want to have our, you know, Raphael Stone. Uh, and Steven Silas run this rebuild. And it's the same thing. Nick Cesario said, I need to build my own team. And so he's building it through the draft and um, the long coveted Nick Cesario, right? And so now we have the Texans going into the draft and they, they immediately showed it, right? Defense and, and line. That's what we're going to do. And that's what we're going to invest in. That's where teams like the Cowboys found them one of the most winningest programs, even though they haven't won the Super Bowl, that one of the most winningest teams, you know, that's how teams like the bills and the Patriots and other teams that have long sustained successful seasons. That's how they build it is winning in the trenches and having a great defense. So they invested in that um, and then got key pieces that they thought were high value for their for their picks. Um, I think, I think the wide receiver out of Alabama, John Mechie, I think that that's, that's it proven that that was, that, that was the best player on the board. And that's the guy that you want to do. It's going to show that he wants the ball and wants to make plays and you want to have them on your team. And I think, um, I'm big on Pierce as a running back. I, I love his fit. He's been outstanding in training camp and analysts outside of Houston. As I watched the giants pick off the Patriots quarterback. Uh, I, I like, I like, uh, the, the uh, outstanding addition uh, 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 of, of Pierce because uh, analysts outside of Houston have decided to rant and rave about his fit. It just makes me worry about Marlon Mack a little bit, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And so let, let's move over now, talk a little bit about the betting side of things with Houston. Now, we're not going to get crazy with you unless Ernest can somehow Super convince Bowl. me that, that plus <laughs> 1400 to make the playoffs is doable for this group. Um, minus 3,335 to make the playoffs. We're not going to give you those betting odds, although I, I will say that I think that's a lock. Not, not that you should, but I think that's a lock. Um, the win total is the one that I wanted to focus on, and then I, I have one other one a little bit later on that I'm curious your thoughts of, but the over-under win total is at 4.5. Now, as we said, they won four games last year. I think it's appropriate because... I think if you set it at three and a half, you're going to get a lot of people betting the over five and a half. You're definitely going under. So I think they Vegas got this one right. A lot of people are on the under. That's what's more heavily favored here. Minus 127. The overs minus two, 102. Now, I think a lot of this hinges on how that division goes. We talked about the fact that they went three and three in the division last year. If you do that again this year somehow, 
with the non-conference schedule that you have or the non-division schedule, I think they're in a very good spot. Now, I think it's more likely we see them come back a bit, maybe one and five, two and four in that division. The Colts have revamped a little bit. I do think the Titans are weaker, but can they sweep the Jags again? So what do you think of the division as a whole schedule-wise before we get into the non-division stuff? So for the division, um, I think if I had to say my unbiased, absolute unbiased take on this is that they probably split with Jacksonville, the home and home. They split with Tennessee, the home and home and lose both to the Colts. So I have them two and four. That's that's where I think my unbiased take. If I had to put a little bias in there, I had to say I think the Texans are just a tad bit better. I do have them three and three again. I, do, I still think they split with the Titans, but they sweep the Jags. And we did see them do that last year, so it's not out of the question that they do it this year, especially with the revamped defense. Now, when we start talking about the the non-division games, there's a lot in there that you you kind of would mark off as, okay, we're assuming that those are going to be losses. You got Denver. Well, basically, you have the whole AFC West, which completely revamped. Well, I don't. I don't have the whole AFC West, but we can we can, if you want to dissect that, we can. Oh, okay. So what's the one for you? The Vegas game. I think coming coming off the bye and going to Las Vegas, and since I'll be there, they have to win. So, (laughs) so I think I think okay. So there's no bias here. Saying there's a bias in that one. But if I had, but I have to have to to say it right. I'm gonna be. I've never been to a Houston Texans game and they lose. So right now I'm undefeated. So if that's the one game you have to switch. So you're just going with the precedent that's been set with all of your Texans games. I will be in Vegas betting on the Texans wearing Texans gear just for that game. And then okay, are you betting? Texans money line or are you betting Texans spread? Absolutely Texas money Texans money line. I'm okay. not even worried about it. All right. Sounds good. Now and besides Carosis, so his brother <laughs> has to pay it back. <laughs> <laughs> now you also get the NFC East, which that's I'm, favorable. Which Dallas and Philly. Not, not, that's not favorable. But, Dallas but the and other Philly are not favorable. But when we're talking about the other two teams with Washington and the Giants, I think that there is something to be said there. Um, I also think looking at all the discussions that have been happening regarding the Deshaun Watson situation, I don't think it's out of the question that we see a Jacoby Brissett versus the Houston Texans and the Chicago Bears are also on the schedule. So there's four games there that you're like, okay, I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm intrigued by these. So, so what do you think of those ones? So right now I have us at eight and eight. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what you're trying to say here, Kenny, you're switching my mind right now. Um, but, but we're missing, we're missing one game in here and I think it's the dolphins, right? That's the the game that we haven't talked about. Um, and I don't, I don't think they beat the dolphins. So, so let's, they're going to be at best, like the best, and let's just say they lose to the Raiders, uh, at best, they're probably seven and 10. Um, um, is that right? Yeah. Seven and 10 or eight and nine, right? That's probably the best or, if you want to take the boldest take ever, t- take it. No, I'm not going to go there. No, that's probably the best <laughs> that they're going to be is, is seven or 10, eight, nine. This is a, this was a, look, Nick Cesario came out and said, this is a three year rebuild. So yeah. nobody's nobody in the organization even predicts them to make the playoffs or even try to be pushing. But what does, what does, what do these teams have in common and specifically these players, right? What does Josh Allen and Justin <laughs> Herbert oh, no. and Baker Mayfield all have in common. I I don't know. What is it? They all led after replacing Tyrod Taylor 
QB1 seasons in fantasy <laughs> and their teams to the playoffs. I don't know what to tell you, Kenny. They all did it, okay? The ensuing season, they were all QB1s, and they all led their team to the playoffs. Oh, you can no. fact check that all day. But... So if the crazy Houston enthusiast really wanted to go out there and say it, that would be it, is that, is that hey, everybody who follows up, Tyrod Taylor's injury ends up being a franchise quarterback of some sorts. Um, even Baker, he just got <laughs> Deshaun Watson kind of landed in, in his situation. But yeah. I'll be honest. I think that this is a betting line that I'm staying away from because I actually think Davis Mills is pretty decent. I, I think he's Same. in a terrible situation. Same. He's got Brandon Cooks and that's about it as far as weapons go. Like even the guys that we're talking about, the Nico Collins, like they, they bring in Mechie, like those aren't, proven guys that, that you'd have faith with. So my concern is that I could see him rattling off five or six wins. Like I could see him going out and beating those teams that we talked about, but I also could see how bad the rest of the team is around them that they go three and 14 or four and 13 again. And, and we're back here talking about this same team next year. Now, the one that intrigued me as a long shot bet was the Texans to finish third in the division. Now, to finish fourth, they're currently like minus 550. But to finish third, they're plus 500. And I don't think it's entirely out of the question if we see maybe Trevor Lawrence just isn't what we thought he was. Now, a lot of people are writing it off as well. It was the head coach. Now he's got a new coach. He gets Etienne back. Like, like this is a much improved team. He's got Christian Kirk. Four-year, $72 million Christian Kirk there. Play so, four games. So... <laughs> <laughs> it's it intrigues me if they sweep them because if you get swept by Houston and realistically then you have to go and you have to play Indy and, and Tennessee maybe maybe you go one and five in the division and then you have to make up ground and there is wins in there still for the Texans I don't think it's out of the question that Houston finishes with six wins and Jacksonville finishes with five so do you would you take a long shot at plus 500 for them to finish third? Or do you think I'm just being a little bit too optimistic? No, I'm, I'm actually with you. I, I would be, I'm surprised they aren't projected to finish third. They finish relatively better than the Jags every season. And the Jags, I, I, conspiracy is my middle name with the Jags. I do think that's the team going to London. So I think they have to be bad and the stadium has to be empty in order for them to make that move. So another couple seasons before that move happens and then Mexico city gets their own expansion. And that's a whole nother, it's a whole nother show, but yes, I, I conspiracy in there. I, I think Houston finishes third easily. Okay. So now let's talk fantasy value. And Beautiful. we, we know that unless you're two QB league or maybe, well, if you're a 10 team league, you're probably not drafting a few of these guys, 12 team, you might, and then 14 for sure. So yep. Davis mills, He's currently quarterback 29. I think it's very low for what I think his ceiling could be. I do see a scenario where even in a 10, 12 team league on a bye week, I consider starting him. Like if he's playing the bears and for whatever reason, I just have a bad matchup for my QB. I could see a scenario where that happens Two QB league. I feel completely fine having Davis Mills be my second QB if I'm punting it down the road. So what do you think his overall fantasy value is? As we said, limited weapons, not a great team around him, but we are probably a little bit higher on him than, than a lot of other people would be heading into his second year. You know, I put my equation up for all of this and I'm pretty accurate. I'm usually about a two, three spot variance. The, the 
the projected the predicted stats I have for Davis Mills have him the 25th best QB to choose from. So he's right under QB two, the best QB three you can get. And um, when I put in the equation and put the defense variance into it, he's 17, right? Because the schedule is so favorable for a quarterback that he faces and the projection against those bad teams that he's throwing more, right? So he just stat pads in those games. So I think Davis Mills is a really good bet. That's a good stash. I think if somebody's doing a two QB league, um, you get your first quarterback high, right? Then get all quality players, get Davis Mills towards the back or towards the middle. Um, and I think he'll be there. I don't think anybody trusts the Houston Texans. And that's that's okay, right? Like, he won't be the reason they fall behind the games. It'll be game script. You actually see game scripts made for him. And that's important for Davis Mills' second year. Um, and that everything's going to be made tailored for him is another big piece um, to this offense. And you, you get back a healthy Brandon cooks, you get back Nico Collins, you have now John Mechie. Um, we won't talk about Farrell Brown, but you have Marlon Mack and you have uh, Pierce in the back. Like this is a really, um, promising team for the passing game. Um, and let's not forget the immaculate Rex Burkhead is still on the roster. I started sexy Rexy last year in a <laughs> dynasty league final due to an injury to DeAndre Swift. And it worked out incredibly. And I ended up winning the league, having him as my second running back. So, so I got a soft spot for, for sexy Rexy. And, um, speaking of former Patriot running back, shout out to James white on his retirement today. Fire emoji for that. Fire, fire, Um, fire, fire emoji. Fire, fire, fire. So he's behind Wentz. Daniel Jones, Goff, and I trust Mills more than all of those guys. I don't trust Tannehill with the weapons. I'm not in on Zach Wilson. So so I think there's a scenario where he outperforms a lot of those guys, finishes potentially in the top 20 QBs. Now, running back-wise, Damian before, Pierce... Before you say that, before you say yeah. that, though, just a tidbit of advice to people. Tyrod Taylor's a giant. Mm. All right. Danny Two Dimes is done. Once they go to Tyrod this year... Right, because inevitably it's Danny, Danny two times out. It's over. The guy they draft this next season is going to be the franchise quarterback. Yeah, this is going to be his last year as Giants QB. Yeah, yeah, just FYI. But anyway, so keep going. Damian Pierce, ADP is one twenty-eight, so you can draft him eleventh round if you're in a league where I got a lot of RBs go, maybe tenth round. Marlon Mack, one forty-six, so you can get him a couple rounds later. Now ESPN has him as the running back one right now. I think he starts that way. I don't think he finishes that way. If I'm drafting one of these guys, I'm drafting Pierce because of the upside. Like Marlon Mack, to me, he's going to have a role in the offense no matter what. But Pierce has the potential to to just have the job by year end, like the first, second down carries. So that's why I like Pierce more. Is, Is he where you would go if you were drafting a Texans running back? Really, really depends on how your team is like, managed like if you're looking yeah. for that young back to stash away and you're going to put him later on and then he's he's comparable to the jets running back from a couple of years who's that jets running back that's michael always, carter yes that's who i compare him to like that's my that's my same strategy with pierce is i'm going to stash him he's going to have a couple breakout games if you got lucky you played him and then he's, you just play him from there on out but i think marlon mack is that guy they're going to ride him out to see if he comes back into in game shape and he could surprise you could be a little inner for that surprise you know like he can come in and be a, a workhorse and be awesome um and then rex and and pierce are splitting the backfield cuz they're both going to be passing backs to start yeah. so um that's your only risk but for me like personally is if my it's my team yeah i'm, I'm drafting pierce that's where i'm going i'm going to take that value and 
and stash it away. But if you need a back, if you're going zero running backs and you've gotten stacked, you need somebody production early on, then Mac's your guy because Mac's going to have that early down work. Mac would be a good guy that you draft if you also drafted a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. And you because you're drafting him probably as your flex wide receiver for when he comes back week seven. By then, Marlon Mack either still has the backfield or he could be almost out of the offensive game plan. That that would be my thinking on or, a guy like Mack there. Or let's be honest, right? Like Marlon Mack's going to have revenge game one, right? Yeah. He could go off. He'll hit a stacked Broncos team week two. You'll call it a fluke because he's going to go off against the Bears. Probably a softer defense in the Chargers. He may get you know, 17 and 75. If he gets lucky with a touchdown, he's going to go off against Jackson. All of a sudden he got the bye week. That's a trade bait. Like that's, yeah. that's who you give up. Cause you know, Pierce is going to replace him eventually. So especially since career. running back injuries are a dime a dozen and there's right. going to be a contender that, that needs that running back. And exactly. it is a team that you'll probably end up calling. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That's but your trade bait. wide receiver wise. Cause we're not going to talk about tight end as Ernest said earlier, Pharaoh Brown, like yeah, no. RIP, like probably don't draft him in fantasy. And if you are, then like, I don't know what you did in your draft or why everyone drafted four tight ends, but don't you draft Pharaoh Brown. You, you must be from Houston. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> he's got great upside potential in that offense. He's huge. Probably, I saw him in person. Yeah. I saw him at training camp. He caught that one red zone TD. So Brandon cooks, this is the guy to me that, if you're going to own anybody in the offense, it's going to be Cooks. Nico Collins, you could draft him. You honestly probably don't even have to draft him. He's probably going to be on the waiver wire, and you could maybe get lucky with him uh, stashing him a little bit later on. But Cooks is probably the guy that you're going to be drafting. He's going fifth, sixth round with, with where he's at ADP-wise. He's kind of in that mix of the Michael Thomases. Like a lot of wide receivers that have question marks, that could exceed, but, but cooks has been a constant. He's just in a bad offense. So to me, I feel confident having cooks as my third wide receiver that I just plug in at the flex every week, even though Houston's bad, I still think his values sky high. So is this a guy that you want in fantasy this year? I'm high on cooks. Uh, he hasn't, he doesn't really let you down. Like he had, he has seasons where you're just like, wow, he quietly got a thousand yards. Or he quietly got, yeah touchdowns and he has those games where you're like shit is he 8 131 and 2 right now like that's crazy like i didn't even see mm-hmm. that um and if i'm if i'm really feeling where davis mills is going to finish the year cooks is going to be that guy so i'm actually wide receiver two on cooks for the year and um i would be comfortable picking him up as my second wide receiver if i really had to play other positions in the in the draft order um and at the same token um i'm very high on nico collins i don't think he's draft worthy i'm not gonna tell you go chase him in the seventh but i'm gonna tell you um, that, that, uh, if Mills does progress and gets through his reads and the offense flows, then, um, you'll see Collins and cooks having very good seasons. Um, Collins will be up there in receptions. I don't think the yards and touchdowns will be there, but he'll be up there in receptions. So we'll have to see what that looks like in the new offense. And when I look at cooks last year, he had double digit targets on seven occasions. He went over a hundred yards, four times over 86 times. Like that's what What more can he ask for from a flex guy at six touchdowns as well? Like, yeah, not a great offense, but Houston does. Somebody has to score like, like they do. Davis Mills is going to throw 20, 25 touchdowns this year, probably minimum. So if you're looking for a guy, then 
I definitely think that that Cooks is the guy to own in the offense. And if your first thought was, well, guys, last year they only scored they scored single digit in a, in a handful of games, or they didn't score in two games. That's a different system, right? That's Tyrod system with Davis Mills owning half the playbook, right? Whole different ball game now. The whole playbook is Davis Mills. The whole offensive scheme is Davis Mills. The team was put together this offseason for Davis Mills. I just think you up that value by about 25%, and somebody's got to catch the touchdowns and get the yards. Somebody has to, right? Yeah. Unless you're like from Alabama and you're high on Mechie, nobody else is really kind of counting anybody else to get those except for Collins and Cooks. Yeah, or, I, I'll be honest. I don't think I've done a mock draft where Mechie got drafted. His ADP is 237. Like, he yeah. may have a ton of potential, but it might just not be this year, especially with this group. So, yeah, definitely uh, definitely with you on it. It's basically Cooks or bust. Um, Nico... You maybe pick him up as a waiver wire guy. You're hopeful on a good matchup against the Bears or somebody that he comes in and maybe he catches a bomb over the top. Well, just just keep in mind, right? Like, like don't wait for the Nico game, right? Because once the Nico game happens, you lose them. But yeah. if you want to pick him up, like week three through week 11 is not terrible. All those matchups are fantastic. You might see Nico get dropped by somebody week two because he put yeah. up nothing against the Broncos. That's going to happen, right? You're, mm-hmm. playing at, you're playing at mile high. I don't expect the Texans to score very many points. And even Cooks may be up for trade at that point. Weeks three through 11 are great. Like those are great. And they're going to have a great week seven. I'll be there. <laughs> an amazing week seven for nico collins that is the competitive hedge guarantee from the itl host Ooh, Ernest Silva. I like so, that. so that's definitely going up on a graphic for week seven but <laughs> Ernest, as we knew as we were gonna do this show we talked about the fact that this isn't a great texans team but it was still fun having you on talking about a team that I think if they win five games you call that a win but i don't even know if they necessarily want to win five games given draft picks and what they want to do moving forward so this is a houston team that's in a full-on rebuild but nonetheless you do it right in a couple years time we could see them back in the playoff hunt especially in that division so why don't you promote your work what you've got going on over at itl yeah, absolutely. The Interlab Podcast. You can catch us Wednesday night to 730. Kenny's my new co-host for season four. So excited to have him on there. And um, you can catch us doing our thing on there. We talk NFL. We talk fantasy. We talk NBA. We talk about a lot of world sport news, just what's happening. Um, and and we really get into it. And it's a really fun show. We call ourselves a sports scientist. So you've never gone over there. Into the Lab Pod is where you can catch it on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. And uh, I would be excited to see all y'all out there. Just mention the competitive hedge when you're there and I'll just give you guys into some free giveaways. Awesome. So as I said, this is the daily competitive hedge podcast. We will be back tomorrow running solo, talking about the green Bay Packers. I definitely looking forward to that one. Uh, A team that my wife holds near and dear to her heart and has broken my heart on a number of occasions in the last number of years. So we will see you guys tomorrow for the daily competitive hedge.